Hello, and welcome back to the Socially Distanced Podcast. I am the managing editor of thepopbreak.com. Some would say the reluctant managing editor, Al Manorino. With me, as always, is my co-host, the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com, Mr. Bill Botkin. Bill, how are you? I'm good. I'm usually the one who says you're very reluctant on things. I'm good, man. Um, Yeah, coming up by the time you guys hear this... um, yeah, if you're seeing this, will not be dropping on Wednesdays. Is now dropping Fridays, because um, some some of us Al, uh, are very busy on the weekend and can't record because they do have a life. Uh, so you know, congratulations, Al, on being social. I, I miss those days. It's it's mostly just to perfect uh, my tan. Uh, we know. Um, yeah, you get tan. You got really well, good in shape. Blah blah blah. You're great. Blah we blah blah. In the worst oh, transition in the history of man. Is our guest this week on the 15th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. He's one of my favorite people to podcast with. Sorry, Al. Uh, He is, I think his official title is uh, Senior Human Who Podcasts on the Pop Break. That was it? On the Pop Break.com. You could hear him on such amazing episodes that we've referenced these podcasts before. If you want to hear really smart people talking really smartly about movies in the most hilarious way possible, uh, they, he is one of the hosts of, and the winner still is our retrospective Oscar podcast and the way too early Oscar podcast predictions podcast, along with Marissa Carpico on both podcasts, the illustrious Matt Taylor. How you doing, buddy? Hey guys, thanks for having me. There's no Oscars to talk about, so it's nice to have a podcast to still talk to. <laughs> I know, man. Um, I've been good so far, you know, it's, it's quarantine, it's, Weird and stressful, but I got therapy and I can still go for jogs, so it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, we saw Matt for a hot second on video before. His beard game is just chef's kiss perfection. Al's is back to <laughs> stubbly little boy, um, mostly because your wife made you do that. Yeah, she hates my beard. As for, as for me, it, <laughs> the, the gray keeps crawling up slowly like a, a, a xenomorph and alien. So, Al, enough of my rambling. Seriously, yes. man. Uh, yeah, what the fuck? What the actual fuck? Uh, seriously, what the fuck this week? Uh, big big news in in uh, in a crazy time that we're living in. Usually, uh, it's been kind of slow in terms of movie news, uh, mostly because they can't film any movies. I know they're starting <laughs> to slowly uh, get back in the swing of things. But, well, New Mutants um, got pushed again for the 60th time. That is, I swear to God, if that would be the segment for this week, I would have freaked out. Matt, can we just get your real quick thoughts on New Mutants? Do you believe this is an actual movie, or is this just still (laughs) publicity stills in a sizzle reel? So, um, I think it sounds like a dumb movie, but um, I remember when back when we can go to movie theaters and life was fine, um, seeing the most recent trailer and being like, like, this looks kind of like Nightmare on Elm Street, but with mutants. And I was like, I'm vaguely into this. But then, um, which, like, but then, you know, it got delayed a uh, sixth time. And I just, I have to assume at a certain point, it's not good. And yeah. um, I'll watch it maybe if it's streaming somewhere for free. But I can't imagine dropping $20 to watch a movie called New Mutants that has been delayed six or seven times. But that's <laughs> the thing, though. Like, if it was bad just release it because Artemis you're not Val gonna was make released and, and yeah that got, that got like a did they get like it's it just as universally just a shit movie yeah yeah 
like, like that's I would just you know drop it on Hulu or or whatever and just get it over with. But I, I think it. The, I think that's the problem though. It's not bad. It's okay, <laughs> and that's the issue with it because they're like we might have a kind of hit on our hands. It's wildly and, mediocre. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing. They know it's not like oh this is you know we're gonna be you know crucified for this no it's like this is just fine and that's why they're like oh let's hold up let's hold up a little bit and we'll make some money out of it but no it's not new mutants this by the way i'd like (laughs) i want to give major credit to matt taylor for making a subtle reference to nightmare on elm street uh dream warriors which has one of the great theme songs i think done by lynch mob called dream warriors it's the cheesiest song ever and i want to say Patricia Arquette's in that movie. Oscar she winner. Is. Patricia she Arquette. is. Yeah. She wasn't Oscar winner Patricia Arquette at the time. No. But but she was Patricia Arquette. Oh, Dream Warriors, um, everybody. That's I mean, if this was a Dream Warriors podcast, we'd be in the money right now. Yeah. Uh thank God it's not. Uh, well this this seriously, what the fuck for this week, um, is, you know, while the world is burning and totally shit, there's only one person that can save us, and his name's Batman, but not Robert Pattinson, and uh, not, not Christian Bale. Well, ben Affleck. Not Ben Affleck. Well, I, I, just, I just skipped past him. I uh, forgot he was a Batman. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but no, it's it's the, the one of the OG Batman. George Clooney. Mr. Michael, Mr. <laughs> yeah, George Clooney. Mr. Michael Keaton. Uh 1989 uh, Tim Burton Batman is uh, potentially coming back to uh, wear the cape and cowl again, or maybe not. We have almost zero information about it. But uh, there's this Flash movie that uh, Warner Brothers keeps threatening us with, and they're going to actually try to make it kind of interesting by bringing in, in some sort of Flashpoint uh, way, Michael Keaton's Batman. And if anyone watches the CW shows, uh, they're kind of already doing this. They uh, they had a Crisis on Infinite Earths, like a five-part crossover last year where we actually saw um, not uh, – not, I don't think 1989 Tim Burton's universe showed up. It actually might have. No, it did. But it was like some like B character. I think someone who maybe like played like Gordon or something was in it. Uh, oh, but they I think, had that, like, I think that character is long since passed. That actor is long okay. since passed on. Then I will have to double check that. I'll do my research during. The actor's like, name is Pat yeah. Hingle. Don't Got ask it. me why. I can't remember what I had for lunch today, but I can remember that actor's name. <laughs> I don't. Know. Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, so they had Burt Ward reprise his role as Robin. Uh, yeah, it's, it was it was pretty awesome. There was uh, like I said, there was a lot of oh, and they actually had another Batman show up, uh, Kevin Conroy. And he played the the Kingdom Come version of Batman, which was really great. Uh, but so they're, they're kind of already doing this on the television show where they're uh, paying homage to all the different uh, iterations of these characters. But they've never, never tried to do it uh, in the films, uh, you know, which is strange because people were so pissed when Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller was cast as the Flash in the first place because we already had a pretty great Flash with Grant uh, Grant Gustin on the TV show. Weren't the, Wachows- weren't the Wachowskis attached to this at one point? Um, probably. It's been in kind of development hell uh, Was since I directing this one? Batman. Yeah, at one point you were. <laughs> since uh, Batman v Superman, when he made a cameo, yes. he yeah. he um, 
that the, there, there's been basically uh, like a gazillion directors attached to it. Even uh, Seth Graham Smith, the guy who wrote uh, Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Kiersey um, Simmons from um, a few movies, Heart, Hearts Beat Loud. Joe, love, that, love that movie. Yeah, she's been cast as um, the Flash's I, love interest. Uh, Iris. Iris. Iris, yeah. Iris. Um, she's been cast, but I think like she hasn't actually shown up in any of the movies yet, but like has been paid, and I'm like, good for her. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing else. Good for so, her. So she was so she was supposed to show up in Justice League, and I believe she is showing up in the Snyder Cut. Oh, thank which God. we have talked which we have talked about on this podcast before, uh, which is nonsense. But I'm also extremely excited to see it because it can only go it can only get worse. I think it's going to be an abomination. But not to talk negatively about this concept because I think what DC and Warner Brothers have done with. Wonder Woman and Aquaman and especially Shazam is I think they've corrected the ship or at least are attempting to uh, in the way that they're creating these films and, um, you know, not sticking to the Snyder verse and, you know, just making good stories and not necessarily working on big team up movies. Um, I think this is a great opportunity for uh, younger audience to be introduced to Michael Keaton's version of Batman and, uh, I think this opens up a lot of possibilities for um, other uh, older representations of these uh, heroes to come back, reprise their roles, or, or make cameos. Um, just, just to you know, uh, for the fans, you know. And uh, we talked about it a little bit before the podcast started, but like, how weird would it be if like one day we're seeing like Halle Berry put on the Catwoman costume again, or maybe not that costume, but a costume. Um, and uh, and you, uh, Bill, you mentioned uh, Chris O'Donnell too of Alicia uh, uh, Silverstone. Yes, Alicia. Oh my God, <laughs> I hate that movie so much. Or maybe we could do justice for Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. She deserves better. He was Uma she was deserves better in all things. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's my point. <laughs> she was. Uh, I didn't like her in that movie at all. Well, I really that, like that, that movie. Was a terrible movie. It was a really bad movie. <laughs> but like, you know what? Like Batman Forever is like, like. Um, it's so bad it's good and it's just batman and robin's just bad like i can't like can't watch it it's the not- combination of batman forever and batman and robin is responsible for making many 90s boys gay including myself <laughs> so um i'd be all for anyone from that them coming back to be in this universe um, well, I'd, love, I'd love to talk to you about that a little bit matt i miss this you know, podcast uh, with you so bad matt <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, I think we mentioned it, I think we mentioned it on the last pod, but we, you know, if we didn't, it sucks, um, uh, but Joel Schumacher, the director of both of those films, uh, passed away last yeah. last week, uh, a um, few weeks ago. and, you know, Matt, you mentioned, you mentioned that, um, you know, there's, is, there's a lot of, uh, a, a lot of what came out of those movies inspired kind of that community, and I, I'd like to hear, like, more of your take on that. And, and how you feel about maybe um, the legacy of the Schumacher films maybe being, you know, reinterpreted potentially down the line in, you know, f- future DC movies. Well, yeah, it's funny. Like, I saw Batman Forever. I must have been five or six. Maybe. Like, it, like, I was young. I was very young. I know, <laughs> and, but um... remember, Matt, this is the thing we always talk about. Like, when you say you're five, I'm like, I'm like 14 at the time, you know? So it's just, I'm just like, no. Sorry. Reminds me of my mortality. 
<laughs> but yeah, so you know, I um saw that far before I had any consciousness of my sexual orientation. But then, you know, like I remember um really thinking Chris O'Donnell was like the coolest person ever. And I badly wanted one earring like he had in that movie. And eventually I just warmed up to the idea of like, oh, I don't want and one earring. I want to kiss men with one earring. That makes sense. And um, like, God, God bless you. <laughs> and um, oh, so but even beyond the Chris O'Donnell of it all, um, like there's you know Nicole Kidman giving this incredibly over the top melodramatic performance in Batman Forever, and Drew Barrymore and Debbie Mazar showing up for like five minutes as two faces girlfriends giving like really camp performances and then even batman and robin which i don't even like really i don't think anyone really likes um like those movies are so campy and um joel schumacher was one of the only openly gay directors working in hollywood for years so like i have to assume that was intentional on his part of making these movies campy and queer classics in a way and um yeah i've been reflecting a lot over the past week of just how much his movies, some of which were not particularly good, but like growing up, they were such pop culture phenomenons that like they informed me in a lot of ways. Even I was thinking about, um, they're not Batman movies, but like Phone Booth and um, yeah, Phone Booth is like one of the first R-rated movies I ever watched. Um, I remember watching that too. Yeah, it was like, you know, I actually rewatched it last week because I wanted to watch Joel Schumacher film after the news came out. And um, I wasn't quite in the movie Batman forever. But um, Phone Booth is like, you know, it's cheesy and very, I mean, the concept alone is dated, but it's a good movie. It holds up. <laughs> I was um, listening to uh, to uh, Rob Lowe has a new podcast uh, called Literally with Rob Lowe. And I thought, <laughs> A, f- fucking great name. But uh, he had Chris Pratt on. The, his first guest and Pratt said during quarantine he recently watched uh, Saint Elmo's Fire for the first time, and I remember I watching that too. That movie. I, I know. I, I never, I never liked that movie, Dude, and I, I remember okay, so saying, I'm looking, like, "So I look, I'm looking up Joel Schumacher's, um, yeah, yeah, his filmography. There was a movie that my parents used to put on all the time, and I don't know why. It was called. It's from 1983. It was called DC Cab. It was about a cab company in DC." very literal title but mr t was the star of it joel schumacher directed a mr t movie that's great i think everyone did it in the 80s <laughs> he directed a movie called eight millimeter with nicholas cage that oh. um oh. i saw when i was far too young to properly watch that movie but did. like it's genuinely good and like severely underappreciated and you know he was a hit or miss director but like Lost just Boys, such an man. interesting director yeah, Lost Boys defined like a whole subculture in the eighties. <laughs> like, yeah, Lost Boys um, was awesome. Um, I, and I, I've seen on Twitter recently, like post uh, uh, his passing of like how he basically uh, created qu- uh, queer lighting, and that is that a thing? <laughs> That's a thing. I don't know if he created it. Oh, I, thought but, it was, um, I thought it was bisexual lighting. Oh, is it bisexual lighting? Sorry, <laughs> I don't Maybe know. Bisexual lighting. <laughs> bisexual lighting. Um. I know has been in quite a few things. I don't know if it's intentional or not. The most, the first example that comes to mind is um, Atomic Blonde has famous bisexual lighting during yes. the um, the lesbian sex scene. I but, have um, watched Atomic Blonde. The, um, oh, it's a good movie. It's but a Batman good Forever. Movie. <laughs> Batman Forever. I don't like. Um, just you know, I don't know if it created that, but it brought it into such a big way because even today, like 
I think a lot about um, what is it called? Like Disney with Beauty and the the, the recent Beauty and the Beast with um, Emma Watson, Emma Watson, and the way they were like. There's an, they called it an exclusively gay moment, and it was just like I think it's like Josh Gad, like waves at a guy, and they like look at they wait like they and it's like oh we're supposed to like be really happy about that, and then like Batman Forever doesn't have any explicitly gay characters, but it is far gayer than anything in Beauty and the Beast, and you know it was informative, <laughs> so you know like. Um, I know he never got to work with Michael Keaton, who was the main subject that you're talking about, but Mm -hmm. I loved like that movie so much as a kid. And, um, definitely, even if it just influenced my taste in men, it definitely, um, left a mark. (laughs) Uh, Beauty and the Beast coincidentally stars my favorite man crush, which is Dan Stevens. He's very handsome. I love that man. I was just watching, uh, the, the new, uh, Netflix movie, Eurovision, the, the one, the Will Ferrell movie that he's like the, like antagonist in i guess and uh he's phenomenal he's he should be in everything he is my favorite so good he's great (laughs) uh but going back to michael keaton and uh and uh you know flashpoint potentially um as someone who's a huge flash fan love the flashpoint comics um you know it could also you know have the opportunity for uh michael keaton and um jeffrey dean morgan potentially to, to do, like, the Flashpoint Batman kind of arc, which is having uh, Jeffrey D. Morgan as Thomas Wayne, because he's playing... He played Thomas Wayne in uh, Batman v Superman. So, oh, that's right. I totally forgot. Yeah. It wasn't Maggie from The Walking Dead? Yeah, the mom? she, she yeah. was uh, the mom, yeah. Um, Martha Wayne. Martha, Martha Wayne. Your mother's uh, name is Martha? The worst yeah. line in now, history. Now we're friends. Um, but, it, it, you know, it could open up the possibility of, of, of that story arc or, you know... Um, I think, too, that this is the opportunity to bring kind of as many Batmans as you can to show that there's all these different worlds and, you know, uh, you know, uh, show the 52 different Earths, the 52 different uh, 52 different possibilities. And that's how you can kind of shoehorn Ben Affleck out of the, you know, the DCU that uh, is currently happening right now and bring in Robert Pattinson if you want. Uh, that's how I would do it in that sense. But uh, Bill, as someone who was around when Michael Keaton was Batman, thanks. Thank. You. Um, well, Were when, either when of you, you born in 1989? No, no, Fuck hard guys. no. Buying <laughs> a Batman cereal where you weren't even a twinkle in your parents' eyes. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the I remember. Let me. I actually. Well, I'll plug another podcast: the Anniversary Brothers, uh, Josh and Aaron Sarnecki. Do uh, they do a lot of anniversary podcasts for movies and TV series? And I did one with them last year about uh, Batman '89. Um, go check that out. I'll probably link it in the um, podcast notes. Um, I'll probably forget actually, but it's um, yeah, that was a, it was a huge deal for Batman to be on this uh, on the big screen because I remember it was just Adam West for the longest time, and then all of a sudden now we have Batman coming to the movie theaters. It was it was crazy, and it was a massive. It was a massive cultural phenomenon. I remember, you know, remember the whole soundtrack was Prince, like who was the big one of the biggest stars in the world in 1989. Uh, Jack Nicholson is the Joker. I mean, you don't get much of a more iconic actor than Jack Nicholson. So it was huge. And let's not forget Billy D. Williams was Harvey Dent, who would eventually become Two Face, uh, which is very unusual. As um, but Keaton, it's funny when you watch it as a kid. Yes, he was Al. Don't question me. I know this. No, one. I was. I was just saying why. It was so shitty that he eventually was ended up playing 
played by Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Instead of instead of Billy Dee. I'd love to have seen that. Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah. but yeah, it's like, if you were a kid watching, you know, Batman, like I was, it's like, you didn't get, um, Keaton as bad. Like you didn't appreciate Keaton as Batman. Cause you know, they were going for a darker version. Like now going back as a 38 year old, um, and watching it multiple times since, like you really appreciate how great Burton's vision of, of Batman is and how great Keaton portrayed it. Even though Michael Keaton at the time was just, you know, he was just, he was Mr. Mom, you know, that was a big comedy he did. Like he was, he was in a lot of comedies. Um, so I actually, I love the rebirth of, of Michael Keaton's career starting from the other guys. We've talked about that movie a few times. I love that role for him. Yeah. And I love, it's the best. What it's he's done. You know, sometimes you just got to creep. 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 <laughs> he's like, come on. Uh, it's just, come on. It, no one says creep twice. Without directly referencing TLC. I, I think it's great to have uh, Michael Keaton in there as the older Batman. I think we've talked about older older Batman has been a character, we, or older Bruce Wayne has been a character bandied about for you know decades in, yeah. in, in the movie world. Um, I don't know how much, you know, Al, I think you have a little more faith in the DCEU uh, movie Spengali's than I do. Like I still, we like as Matt. I, I don't know if Matt, you said on the pod or before the pod, if this movie is ever going to exist, like this <laughs> Flash movie. So maybe, but uh, I, I, if anyone could screw it up, it's DC. Uh, they tend to screw a lot of things up. We just we did a whole episode based on the Snyder Cut, and Al, that is such a close up of your face right now. And Sorry. Is um, <laughs> but I love the idea of Michael Keaton comebacking coming back as an elder statesman, Bruce Wayne. And I would love to see him don the cape and cowl again. And I would love to see that in a feature length movie, but I don't know if that tone is something that's going to happen in the DC films right now. Slash. I don't trust that the people making DC properties won't screw up this opportunity. So that's my thoughts on that. I am excited for the Robert Pattinson Batman though. That has a lot of potential. But yeah, you know, they also could fuck that up too. So, very true. I mean, my whole take with DC at this point, I famously, if you listen to the Oscar podcast, don't really care about comic book movies that much, just but because. You did love the Aquaman jellyfish dress? If I remember, I was yes, I was going to bring that up. I um, so I remember when um, Aquaman came out two years ago. Now I want to say. Um, I don't know. Time doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, like when it came out, I remember being like, it's getting rev- good reviews from people that I actually trust, but I don't know if I want to subject myself to two and a half hours of this. And then um, I love the blank check podcast um, and they loved it. So I was like, all right, fine. I'll fucking go. And then um, I ended up sitting in the theater with my brother, just like, this is maybe the best movie I've ever seen in my whole life. And um <laughs> Like and I mean, as the as Bill mentioned, there's this scene where Amber Heard comes out for some sort of I don't I don't know a gala I don't know it doesn't matter um in a, a dress made of jellyfish and I was like this is definitely the best movie I've ever seen in my life the imagination on display was just out of this world and I think what I realized from that movie is that um comic comic book movies work when the studio lets the director actually have a vision and um like aquaman only worked because james wan cared about 
creating the Saturday morning cartoon feeling with his film. And I mean, he absolutely did create that, create that feeling. Uh, one of the last movies I saw before quarantine was birds of prey. And, um, that movie's not perfect by any means, but like Kathy Yan, um, it loves the Schumacher films actually. And talked about how she was trying to pay tribute to those with her film. And you can totally see that. So I think as long as they're letting whoever is directing flashpoint, I actually don't know. Um, as long as they give him or her the ability to actually put their artistic stamp on it, I think it has potential. I'm excited for the Matt Reeves Batman movies because I like Matt Reeves, not because I want more Batman in my life. But, um, you know, just give it to a good director with a vision. I don't know. That's that's my take. <laughs> well, it's the guy who directed uh, It, the, the the recent It movies. Oh, they, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> I think... I think... I think DC had, um, they had it, they had the idea right. They're like, let's give, let's start our universe. I know we're doing it late and Nolan doesn't want to do it. So we're going to give it to someone with a vision. All right, we're going to give it to Zack Schneider. He did, he, you know, he took an unmakeable property and he made a pretty passable movie with Watchmen. And he also worked on 300. So let's, let's give this guy, you know, the keys to the castle and make, you know, the first couple movies to, to start it off. He sets a tone that they don't want to see um, compared to uh, what Marvel had did and the critical reception to both Man of Steel and BVS, right? So uh, during Justice League, they make him uh, make it a lighter tone. And then, of course, tragedy strikes, everything like that. But at the same time, they're like, well, we already have all these characters being introduced. Let's, you know, give Wonder Woman to Patty Jenkins. Let's give... Uh, Aquaman and James Wan, and you know, let's give someone uh, the Flash, but no one's going to want to do it. But at the same time, these guys go off and do better movies. They make, they take, uh, they they don't even follow the same mold, really. They just, you know, they kind of take a little bit of the aesthetic uh, that has been established, and then the main actor, and then they go hog wild, right? And I think Shazam basically just like, well, those people exist. And we're going to make our own movie and we're going to be in Philly and we're not going to be in Gotham or, you know, uh, Metropolis or whatever or under the fucking sea. Uh, we're going to just do our own thing. And I think it's good that they're doing these things because I just named three pretty good movies. And you can argue that Wonder Woman's a great movie and Shazam, I think, is the best of them all. I haven't even mentioned Birds of Prey yet because I feel like you you said it yourself, like it channels the Schumacher films. It gives a big fuck use to Suicide Squad. Uh, which is great, but it's still, yeah, it's, it's great. Like they, they, it's, I, I love birds of prey. I love everything that they did with that and put Ewan McGregor and everything. He's the best. Um, go watch Dr. Sleep. If you haven't watched it. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. Um, it's the best. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's on HBO Max right so, now for free. I'm very excited and I have HBO Max, so I'll check that out. So, but basically the point I'm trying to make is like, I think DCU is in this like course correction phase. And, and, you know, I think if they can get the flash off the ground, if they can get Michael Keaton and some surprises uh, thrown in there as well, I think they can course correct even further past Justice League and past Snyder Cut and get away from that. Because people want to see this thing to see it. I don't think that throwing $30 million into a recut of a bad movie is going to spark a sequel. I think it's going to be like, all right, great. Ben Affleck's not coming back, so we're not going to do a sequel to this. We don't need you. Go do something else. Stop talking about this shit. 
Like, we just want to be done with it. Like, we want to see more of our characters be introduced. You know, Jeff Johns is building a, a, a basically a Green Lantern uh, series on HBO Max. Like, they can intercut with uh, that like they're doing with the MCU uh, in Disney+. Plus. Do those things because what you've done previously was not the right move. Throwing everyone who has not had uh, their own solo film into a team-up movie um, and making it three hours long uh, of just nonsense was not the right approach. Learn from your mistakes. And DC's TV properties seem to do really well. Obviously, the Arrowverse on CW. And now with the stuff that went to DC Universe now slash HBO Max, I mean, Swamp Thing, I know got canceled, but got good reviews. Titans got decent reviews. And Doom Patrol, obviously, entering its second season. And and got good reviews. Uh, and and of course, and I forgot uh, Matt and I and Al, one of our favorite shows from 2019, Watchmen. Uh, yeah. You know that yeah. was that was remade and remade wonderfully. Mm-hmm. And I think if any, if that's the template of how you're going to remake, you're going to make a comic book television series. I think we can all agree we're perfectly on board with that. Yeah, it goes back to what Matt said. Like, give creative people free reign to make something good. Like they're going to, they're, well, you don't even have to do that. Just give them the rein to do it and you'll like what they end up doing because you're not, you're not interfering. When you interfere, you get fucking Trank's Fantastic Four. You get, uh, uh, Whedon's Justice League. Like it's just, you don't want to see it. It's, it's nonsense. It's a studio hodgepodge shit. We don't want it. None of us want it. That's why we say want Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. As fucking Batman again, and uh, we want to see Flashpoint finally realize on the screen and and help you know help make your DC universe that you've sadly created make sense in some weird way. That's that's all I hope for. Like I said, please, the Matt Taylor on movies. And if we're bringing anyone back from the originals, I just thought. How can we forget? Get Michelle Pfeiffer back as Catwoman. She's oh yeah. How, how amazing! Amazing would that be? That'd I be would amazing. literally like the gays would all go. Like I'm telling you, Warner Brothers, if you're listening, like the gays will go if Michelle Pfeiffer's there. All right. <laughs> so Matt has put his pick. Bill, we're going to end the segment quickly. So Bill, your pick. Who you bring back from uh, older DC film to bring into uh, the Flash? I'm going to stick movie. in the same movie. Danny DeVito as the Penguin. Damn, that's a good one too. Just remake Batman. Let's just remake Batman Returns. <laughs> well, it would be um, it'd be Batman Triumphant. That was the that was supposed to be the third film in the the Burton uh, saga. There we go. Was supposed to be uh, all through the. So um, I'm going to go a little newer because I think uh, you got to keep the tradition of putting him in Batman movies. I love uh, Killian Murphy as Scarecrow. Oh yeah, um, he's, he's the man. Like put him in everything. I love him. <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, and he, I just I love how is Nolan he in Tenet? Him. I'm sure he is. I think he has to be right, like, it's like contractually obligated to be in all of uh, him and Michael Caine have to be in all of uh, Nolan's movies, or they get kicked out of Europe. True. There we go. <laughs> uh, or or whatever it is now, the EU. I, I don't. I don't still know. Europe. Still continent, Al. I don't know. Greg. Um, all right. Well, that was uh, this week's seriously. What the fuck? Um, brought to you by no one because we have no sponsors. Please sponsor us. Um, but let's move on to our next segment, which is a slice of fried gold. 
How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! This week's slice of fried gold, a little different, something that we don't cover usually on the podcast is uh, video games. Uh, I only play one video game uh, as of late. It's called uh, Call of Duty Warzone. It is basically Fortnite for uh, uh, kids who won't grow up. Um, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I never win. Uh, it's, and uh, I play with uh, my producer, Lucas Jones, almost on a daily basis. And we are terrible at it. But we are not talking about Warzone this week. We are talking about the uh, upcoming Marvel's Avengers game uh, from Square Inc. Or Square Square Enix? Square I don't know. Enix. I never knew. Square Enix? I never knew how to say it. I thought it was Square Inc. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it's um, a, a new uh, Avengers game. That uh, has been in the, the the making for a while. I remember seeing um, like trailers and announcements at Comic Con and E3. It's a, a new game that's going to be on um, all platforms: PlayStation, Xbox, PC. And uh, uh, this uh, last week, they uh, showed like the full trailer for the game. Um, I, I said a little bit before the pod. I think this game. Before this trailer did not look amazing. Um, the people were saying online that the, the graphics looked like PlayStation 2. Um, and this is supposed to be a PS5 and uh, Xbox Series X game, which is a next generation platform game. Um, so I, I, I really had no, no hope for this game up until this trailer, uh, which shows um, the Avengers have been disassembled. Um, and uh, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, is uh, basically uh, uh, she, uh, she gets her power as an Inhuman. It's uh, kind of uh, ripped right from the comic books. Um, and it's uh, the game's main storyline takes place five years after a date, a celebratory day for the Avengers, where tragedy resulted in death and destruction. The Avengers were blamed, so the team is forced to reassemble to save the world from peril in the form of AIM, led by Modok. Um, who is uh, the big-brained uh, fan favorite villain who has really never gotten his big-screen debut yet. He was actually supposed to, uh, or is still in the process of getting his own animated Hulu series uh, that was supposed to be Pat, uh, voiced by Pat Oswalt, yes. So uh, the trailer looked really cool uh, just to see um, a very badass MODOK. And uh, more importantly for me, I'm a huge fan of uh, Kamala Thomas Marvel, who is a uh, Jersey represent, uh, a Jersey City superhero, the only uh, superhero in Jersey City. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, Matt, are you a, a gamer at all? Is this something that interests you uh, in any way? I know you're not a big uh, comic book guy, but um, as uh, just love to hear your thoughts about it, at least from a, <laughs> yeah. a, from a trailer perspective. Um, not a video game person. The only video game I play is a crossword game on my phone, but, um, I do, um, know about Kamala Khan because my brother is very big into video games and also he loves her, um, comic series. So, um, I did reach out for his thoughts and, um, he's very, very excited, obviously, um, just for her inclusion. I mean, like, of course I am too on a broader sense of just, you know, I know about her place in terms of representation for, um, Muslim um, superheroes and everything like that. So I think that's very cool to see her in the front of a video game. Um, I do know from, 
Um, one of the last video games I played, I gave up video games in middle school because I realized I can either um, have movie going as a hobby or video games. I cannot afford both. And um, But I did really like um, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance, which is one of the last games I ever played. So, you know, I... Um, and I mean, I, I loved Marvel Comics growing up, so I just... I'm sure the game's going to be a lot of fun, and I think it's great to see her there. It's very, very cool. <laughs> uh, Bill, I don't know the last time you played a video game. I'm currently playing MLB The Show 20 with my brother-in-law. Uh, my in-laws got a uh, PlayStation 4 for the, for the granddaughters. Uh, we have taken that over, much like we got a Nintendo Switch for my daughter, and my wife has taken it over and is obsessed with Animal Crossing. Yes. Uh, so this is what happens in quarantine. Uh, How's the show? Is it fun? Oh uh, yeah, the graphics are amazing. Um, yeah. And currently, uh, yeah, we're, we're uh, my uh, my character in that game is uh, you know solid hitter, great yeah. fielder. What, what are you, you batting right now? Two seventy three. That's not bad. Yeah. Not, uh, not, not MVP level, but you're you're doing fine. Well, I mean, God, if I ever played two seventy three in my real life, I. I'd probably not be a journalist right now. I don't think I don't think I've batted two, but still, oh, I didn't either. I was the guy who was always hit by a pitch. No, uh, nice. yeah, I was. I need like subtitles for this conversation. Oh no, it's baseball. <laughs> so it's some base- heterosexuality is going no, on. It's, <laughs> it's, oh man, so it's, it's like baseball. The least heterosexual baseball conversation. I it's think it's I've basically ever had. like Bill and Al talk about how they were absolute dog shit at baseball, and I used to get <laughs> I used to get hit with the ball all the time, and like there was one time I was like eight. I got hit in the ribs really bad to the point oh, where it like knocked me over. And then I got up again, same pitcher hit me in the stomach. And the coach said out loud, he's like, Jesus Christ, this kid takes one more hit. We're going to have to take him to the hospital. My mom started crying in the stands. She's like, Oh no. Yeah. I, li- I literally quit T ball. So that's, that's about as far as I got with uh, baseball. Yeah. That's why we, <laughs> that's what we're doing a pop culture podcast right now. That's right. Um, um, so that's the old, but I, regardless, that's uh, outside of like this, like sports video games, which are easy for me. Like that's about it. But, uh, you know, like Matt said, like, it's awesome that Kamala Khan has got, you know, you know, obviously the Jersey bias for all three of us is pretty cool. Um, from what my, my one friend who was trying to write some treatments for a uh, Miss Marvel show at one point, uh, she spent time in my hometown of Edison, uh, which was pretty cool in one of her comics. And it's really awesome because she's going to get a Disney Plus show. So that's going to be that's going to be a really that's going to be a huge deal when that happens. So it's a great way to introduce her. Uh, like Matt said, like from an inclusion standpoint, like there's so many kids who are going to be like really into it they're gonna be like yes this is this is someone i can relate to um and she's just a cool character man like it's just like it's it's great to break up just like the typical marvel just like hulk iron man thor type characters like that you've seen in all the movies you know change it up a little bit change is always a good thing so yeah this is awesome sorry sorry we we went we went a little far into the deep end there Matt. you know um but yes (laughs) uh (laughs) But yeah, ch- uh, check out the trailer. Uh, just, you can just Google it or go on YouTube. But uh, it's worth it just to to see Kamala Khan and uh, Modok. You know, we you don't need to see the uh, weird like the thing that I I will end the the, uh, the segment on though is like seeing 
seeing the Avengers that is, are based off the MCU films, but they didn't get any of the voice actors and like everyone looks like a little off is is something that kind of took me out of it a little bit. Like it's like, oh, that's supposed to be like Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner, but it doesn't sound or like look anything like him. It's like Avengers with but you C, know, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like it's just it's so weird to me um that they couldn't just, you know, figure something out. Or I, I don't like it's not like it's a Marvel game, right? It's it's in development with like a bunch of other people, but like I can't see why they couldn't like get these people who are now doing nothing um, to to voice the their to you know reprise their roles again. Budget. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, that is the end of uh, this slice of fried gold. Uh, let's go into um, a, a segment that usually Bill will sing at this point right now. Music in a time of quarantine. Can't afford to get someone to actually record it. Um, yeah, so music in the time of quarantine. I don't have the time to record it in my car, with, like while people, are, my neighbors are staring at me while I'm yelling in my car into a phone. <laughs> Which is how um, but the yeah, so, theme song was eventually recorded seven years. Sadly, ago. yeah, that's right. Uh, Matt, uh, what have you been listening to during this uh, strange and terrible time uh, that we are all currently <laughs> existing in? So in terms of music, I'm very, very lucky that my favorite band actually released an album some, somewhat recently. I guess it's been about a month. Um, the 1975 released um, Notes on a Conditional Form, which I was very excited about. I, um, I'm like, as, as many people know, um, I get like a boy band-esque like, passion for the 1975 um, to the point where I... Like, we'll sometimes just put their music videos on in the background um, just so I have something to watch if I don't have enough time to watch a movie. And um, I've seen them in concert on all their tours so far. I was I had tickets to see them um, at MSG a few weeks ago. And uh, obviously that's not happening. But um, I have been listening to them a lot. And I guess I know the album has gotten slightly less passionate reviews than some of their um, more recent output. It still is like in the green on Metacritic, but just like mm-hmm. the contentus around X75's Reddit seems to be a little mixed. And um, it's pretentious, but that's kind of their thing. So I'm surprised people clock them for being pretentious because they've always been pretentious. And um, that's why I like them. But if I had to pick specifically one song from it that I really like, I will actually say um, If You're Too Shy, Let Me Know, which was kind of the big single from the album. Um, it's an ode to online dating and um, the challenges involved that now feels even more relevant than it was when it was recorded, probably. And um, I think it's a really fun song that kind of embodies their um, 1980s-esque aesthetic, but also just like a great pop hook with really clever, funny, oddly sexy lyrics. <laughs> and um I I think it's like one of their best ever, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. The whole, whole album's pretty good. I like I've been listening to it a lot. It's eighty minutes long, so it um it, it it's a good like nighttime listening, I think. But um I I love it. I love that song specifically, and I'm very very happy that they've dropped an album during quarantine because I don't know what else I would be doing. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, me and you, uh, we agree that the ni- uh, the 1975 are fucking awesome. I've okay. uh, taken photos of them multiple times. I've seen them in concert, obviously. Um, I love No Second Digital Form. I actually talked about it on a past episode of the pod. Um, I think I said that my pick was Then Because She Goes, because I love that, and I loved uh, the Me and You Together song. But, that one's great. Um, they, um, I feel like out of 22 tracks, I would say 15 of them are solid, like real, like really good songs. Um, and I, I, I don't know why, but ever since post their first album, I can't get into the, I usually can't get into their album without like listening to a few times, but this one kind of started off just like, boom, like I'm in, like I, I really, I, I still don't even like the one before this compared to oh, wow. yeah com- compared to um uh their sophomore album which is my favorite um and i could it's the one with the extremely long title yeah um, the, yeah i like it when you sleep because you are so beautiful but and unaware of it i think is yes wait 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 because now i now i gotta say it for bill yeah I like it when you sleep, for you are so beautiful, yet so unaware of it. That is the name of the album. Super long. But yeah, I didn't just care for... Pretentious, pretentious. That would have been great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's yeah, a poet. No, I know. There's one song I like by them, and I, I never... I'm trying to look on my Spotify playlist on which one it is. It's like is one it, of their it, really, really, really popular ones. Is it the sound? It's probably the sound. That used to I, be my favorite. I love this. I man, that fucking that song is uh, as as we've said on this podcast before. It's a banger and a bop. It's it's so good. You said that with uh, uh, your buddy Ben. Yeah, I mean, I I just love. I mean, like, love me. Uh, she's American. Like that album is so good. But there's so much bullshit in between those great songs. <laughs> that is what so I find long. so funny about them. Like, I know. And, like, it weirdly makes me like them more (laughs) because I'm just, like, they put out so many songs that are just weird. And I'll listen to it once and I'll be, like, like, they're talented (laughs) and then I will never listen to it again. But but in general, I think this one, I've been going back and forth between Too Shy. Um, I love Roadkill. That's, like, my, like, I think that's one of their best songs ever just in terms of lyrical content. And, um his voice sounds incredible. And I mean, they just did, they they did a bluegrass country song. Cause why not? Um, sure. and then, um, shit, I'm blanking on the name. Oh, um, tonight. I wish I was your boy is also great. And like all three of those songs sound so different from each other. And I'm just yeah. like, how can you not love them? They're just so interesting. Maddie Healy is so hot. It's great. I, lo- I love them so much. <laughs> yeah. I remember, um, I, I, my favorite, one of my favorite photos I've ever taken was him, uh, in a Christmas sweater, That's smoking right. a cigarette a on stage. Show, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wasn't yeah, that was sponsored a, by yeah. somebody? Yeah, it was Pandora. Yeah, Pandora. Show. Whenever he a... smokes on stage, I'm just like, should I start smoking? Is this like, <laughs> is this what they warn me about no. in Dare about getting messages from media? <laughs> is this is why is this why he weighs like 20 pounds, soaking wet, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and has bad teeth? Um, yeah. So uh, no, that's uh, that's. Uh, Excellent pick, Matt. Um, <laughs> Bill, what do you have this week? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm still trying to find this goddamn 1975 song. You're not going to. <laughs> I am. It's on my fucking playlist. But I already know the song I'm going to pick. Uh, yeah. It's actually... It's a weird song because it's like 
the B-side to a cover from a band, but it's also off their most recent album. Uh, the song is called Fire. It's by the band uh, Black Pumas. Uh, Black Pumas... I'm never going to find this goddamn song here, right? Um, Black Pumas... Uh, the, I discovered them uh, earlier last year uh, when they were announced for See Here Now 2019, which See Here Now is a giant outdoor two-day outdoor music festival that's held in Asbury Park. Um, unfortunately, the 2020 version, which was going to be headlined by Pearl Jam and the Abbott Brothers, is delayed till 2021. Luckily, those headliners have been uh, retained. So, I interviewed these guys. Interviews you have to go up on the site because I'm lazy about transcription. It's a two-person group. They're very, for me, like, you'd be like, wow, this is a little bit of a different pick. They're kind of like this R&B group, like a two-man R&B and funk and soul and kind of have a if you're in the greater jam world can sort of appreciate it too. They can be appreciated across all, a lot of different genres. Um, it's a group uh, formed in Austin, Texas by Adrian Casada, who is in a group I've mentioned before called Brownout, uh, who did a lot of uh, covers of like Black Sabbath and Public Enemy, uh, a lot of instrumental stuff. And um, he was uh, with uh, Eric Burton, who was busking in Austin, Texas, and that's how they got introduced. And uh, uh, Eric Burton has an amazingly soulful voice. Um, it's the B-side of a tr the their cover of Tracy Chapman's Fast Cars, um, which is an interesting choice, but it's also off their self-titled record. Um, highly recommended if any of those genres I mentioned, like Tickles Your Fancy, like Burton's voice is just heaven sent. I love it. It's so soulful, and just the background they have it feels like it's ripped out of like, like Wall of Sound, nineteen seventies Motown type vibe, mixed with a little bit of like hip hop in there, but not indirectly. And very cool band, Black Pumas. I highly recommend the song Fire as like kind of your gateway drug into their new record. They were up for Best New Artist this year at the Grammys. And uh, when they put a new record out, it's going to be, I guarantee it, this, they're going to be huge. They're going to be a big name on the festival circuit when festivals start up again. Excellent picks. Uh, I'm going to tell you the two albums that I've probably listened to the most in the last two weeks are uh, Chromatica from Lady Gaga and Future Nostalgia from Dua Lipa, because they're both fucking fire. Um, <laughs> so good. It's insane, uh, but that's uh, what my, my wife and I have been listening to on uh, car rides to the shore. Uh, but my pick this week, um, I, I don't know what it is about me as uh, as an avid music uh, music listener and someone who who prides himself in in like you know finding bands and getting obsessed with them. I always find bands like super late. Like I was very late to uh, a number of my favorite bands. Uh, one of which is Blink One Eighty Two. Um, who I uh, shot for thepopbreak.com. You can see the pictures on on there. Just search Blink-182. They were with Lil Wayne on tour last summer. Why? He quit, he who quit, knows? He quit the, I think he quit the tour that night. He quit, and then he said, nah, I'm just kidding. I didn't quit. Uh, but I, I was always a fan of their self-titled album. That's what got me into them. That was like their fourth or fifth album, like super like late. Then kind of forgot about them. Uh, they come back uh, out without Tom DeLonge. Uh, come out with California, become obsessed with them again, and that album, I kind of skipped in between. 
which was Tom DeLonge's last album called Neighborhoods. Um, it is like fr- like front to back, like such a great album. And I, I, I last week I put it on. And I'm like, I just want to like, I, I like a few songs from this, and I, I want to hear the whole thing. And I ended up loving the whole album. Um, it's peak, like peak Tom DeLonge. I think like it's like the best stuff he's ever like read, written or uh, performed. Um, it makes me miss him now. Like I always like people. I know uh, he's people still who. Alive, by the way. I know, but I'm saying like he's not in Blink One Eight Two, and people are like, "Oh, it's not as good without him." I'm like, I kind of understand what they mean from this album. Um, there's so many great songs in this, um, including "Up All Night." Um, it's a, such <laughs> such a good album. Um, my pick though is going to be as I pull it up, so I don't get it wrong. Um, the whole album's fantastic. Uh, After Midnight, but like Ghosts on the Dance Floor, Up All Night, uh, After Midnight, uh, Snake Charmer, Hearts All Gone, Wishing Well. It is uh, like front to back, fucking excellent, and it's great to run to if you need a uh, some new music to work out to to get motivated. Uh, but it's been like 93 degrees the last couple days, so I haven't been running. Uh, but yeah. That is my uh, my pick. So get on that Dua Lipa. Get on that new Lady Gaga. Get on that kind of old Blink-182. Those are my recommendations. I'm so happy Chromatic is good. Thank God. <laughs> we needed to win. <laughs> Seriously. Like, listen, like, I've seen her perform live, and I forgot that I did because uh, my life is insane. And I remember seeing her perform. I'm trying to remember when, like, the time frame, like, uh, albums. But it, I, I guess it was maybe three albums ago. Is that Fame Monster? I don't know if that's Fame Monster. Yeah, um, sounds right. Okay, so probably like at the tail end of that, I saw her close out one of the shows at Roseland Ballroom in the city. She did like seven or eight sold out nights and she was the last artist to perform there and they literally closed the uh, the venue down. And she's phenomenal. Like, let's, you know, <laughs> let's just let's just stop there. She's um, so good. She's so good. And, uh, and then like... Uh, she came out with like back-to-back kind of stinkers, right? Like mm-hmm. in terms of like critical and like mass success. As Bill plays music while I'm, I'm talking, good job. <laughs> um, so, um, and then of course, Stars Born comes out, and she is like, you know, back back in uh, the top of the charts with the, the with the, the the main song from that, and um, and then she comes out with the fucking best dance album, like. <laughs> Like I've ever heard in terms of, and then I don't listen to a lot of dance music, and I'm sure people are gonna shit all over me for that. But like, it's so goddamn catchy. Like, "Rain on Me" is like probably the song of the summer. So uh, it's so <laughs> good. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, someone recommended like I had to listen. I, multiple people actually said like you need to listen to the new Dua Lipa, and she's probably like the next. If she isn't already, she is the next big, big, gigantic like artist that we're going to be uh, anticipating what, what she does next because she's excellent. I always liked her from, uh, she did that, um, it was, I don't know if it was Grammys, but she did a performance where she uh, did it like a duet with uh, St. Vincent. And I was like, oh, she's yeah. cool. Yeah. Like yeah. anyone who, anyone who collabs with her, I'm like, you're awesome. Um, but yeah, she's, uh, those albums are great. So uh, good. Yeah. Rain on me. I, when that came out, I was like, "We're gonna be fine. We'll survive. It's great." Yeah, it's we, like... got, we got this. We got <laughs> you know. We got uh, Lady Gaga, Ariana Grande, and then a, a music video directed by Robert Rodriguez. We're set. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, 
that is uh, Music in a Time of Quarantine. We're going to go real quick, lightning round, watch list picks. So, Matt, what one TV show or movie do you recommend our audience check out? And when I say our audience, I mean literally me and Bill. We need recommendations. Go. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I have, I have been watching too much TV. I've, I've watched 174 movies since I started quarantining on March 9th. But, yeah, it's a lot. But um, the one TV show I did make time for during um, quarantine was Rami Season 2, which was just added to Hulu. Um, I really liked the first season of Rami last year. For those, those who don't know, it's... Um, it's a comedy from the stand-up comedian Rami, Rami Youssef. Um, it's like loosely inspired on his life. I hope to God it's loosely inspired on his life. <laughs> and um, it's um, about this Muslim American, twenty-something, um, living in New Jersey, trying to figure out what he what his purpose in life is basically, and if trying to figure out if he's a good person, if he's a good Muslim. And um, the first season's wonderful, and then the second season dropped two weeks ago now i think three weeks ago and um it's like phenomenal um it has a more focused story as opposed to the first season which kind of is a different standalone episodes it has uh it fo- follows rami as he tries to get closer to his um religion by becoming friends with a sheik at his local mosque played by maharshala ali and um he begins to develop a crush on maharshala ali's daughter in the um in the film who is a devout muslim woman and um he worries if he's not pure enough to be in a relationship with her and everything because he's had like a wild past and um yeah it just follows his life and their like quasi love story and it's um it's very dark it is a bit of a downer just to warn people if they want if, if they're looking for something happy it's not exactly the happiest watch but it's it's wonderful and um just because i have to stay on brand it is worth mentioning that Hayam Abbas, who plays Rami's mother in the film, is Marsha from Succession, and her range is incredible. She can be a rich trophy wife to Logan Roy and also be uh, down-to-earth um, New Jersey working-class mom, and it's it's great. I love her. <laughs> Matt, uh, we can't have you on a podcast without talking about Succession, which is you have single-handedly made me watch one of the many series you've you've inspired me to watch but should people be watching succession of course they should be watching succession it's the best (laughs) show on tv if you're not watching it you're doing something wrong i'm gonna i'm gonna start start up again tonight just because just because you said that uh bill what do you got for us so for the site um i am doing a weekly review on the new hbo series perry mason uh, starring Matthew Reese, uh, who we've interviewed on the site when he was on The Americans, when FX used to give us interviews. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, Perry Mason is an interesting show because uh, if you know anything about the character Perry Mason, it's a, it's a lawyer. He's a famed lawyer. It was started out in a series of books. And then uh, Raymond Burr uh, started in the series in the 50s and 60s and then revived in the 80s and 90s on through a bunch of TV movies. That's how I knew about it. And, um, yeah, basically what they did is they, um, basically took Boardwalk Empire and True Detective, mashed them together and threw the Perry Mason name on top of it and said, here's a series. And, um, from that description, it just sounds terrible, but it's actually a a really cool series. Uh, Matthew Reese is amazing in it. Um, it's, uh, 
you know, like it's very much the true detective set in a Bulwark Empire setting. It's like night. It's like uh, a little later. It's like Great Depression era California, and he has been, um, you know, he's a down on his luck uh, veteran who's now a P like kind of a sleazy PI hired to uh, investigate the murder of a child that might have some implications in this with this church and maybe the police force. Um, it's got an amazing supporting cast. Uh, the premiere did not have one of the major stars, which is Tatiana Maslany, who was in Orphan Black on BBC America, who she's amazing. Uh, she premieres in the second episode, which just dropped on so recording this Monday, so it dropped yesterday. Uh, it's now on HBO Max. Um, John Lithgow, Stephen Root, uh, Lily Taylor, uh, Shea Wiggum, who's uh, Board of Empire, amongst a thousand other things. Uh, so yeah, it's a super cool series, Like especially if you're looking for a good, engaging drama um, out the gates. Uh, I've seen the premiere, it's all about the world building. It's not really, the, the actual mystery isn't the hook. So it's not going to get you, I, at least it didn't hook for me. Uh, I think the characters and world building are super great. And I'm very interested interested to see where this show takes us. Also, of course, I'm still watching Schitt's Creek. Uh, out of, completely out of sequence. But I, I love it. And I'm still watching Bluey on Disney Plus because my daughter is still obsessed with it. So, And, re- and wrestling because nerd, you know. That's yes. my, that's my um Matt, have you watched Perry Mason? I haven't yet. Um... I was at first not really feeling it but based on the commercials, but um, after learning that Gail Rankin is in it, um, I love her so much. Um, <laughs> she is, gives one of, I saw her in a production of Hamlet and she's one of my favorite Shakespearean actors I've ever seen. So I will watch it for her. Gail <laughs> Rankin, hold on. Who is Gail Rankin? Um, she's um, also in Glow. Yeah, yes, you know, she was um, Wolf Girl in Glow. Yes. Yeah, so she I'm gonna, is wonderful. really... She's really haunting. She has a really haunting scene in the premiere with Matthew Reese. Like <laughs> it really, it really gets you. You're just like, whoa. <laughs> like it's, it, and there's nothing like she's not scary, but it's just like the performance and like what she says is so great in it. I'm excited to watch. My pick. I'm going to cheat this week. You you cheat nearly every week, but okay. Well, this 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 is totally warranted because. Uh, right now, the day that this episode drops, uh, you could be doing something way better with your time and watch Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. So Hamilton uh, drops July 3rd, uh, which uh, right now is when you're listening to this pod. Um, go watch Hamilton, because I'll be watching it uh, nonstop uh, the entire weekend, because I've never seen it, and I'm dying to. As am uh, I. But yes, Matt, as someone uh, but, on this podcast has seen Hamilton. Yeah. I have. It's so good. I have plans to watch it three times already this weekend. Excellent. <laughs> I'm going to cry the whole time. Um, I cry I cry every time I see the trailer on YouTube, basically. It, like it, And I'm just like, shit, I'm going to be a wreck. Quarantine's already ruined my emotions. I'm going to be a full wreck watching Hamilton. <laughs> I'm so um, ready. I'm so ready for this, man. I am I am hyped for Hamilton. And like, that's, me too. Uh, Matt, I get your thoughts on this. Like, uh, I, I've said this elsewhere. I didn't think Hamilton was really going to do a huge, especially the way it was filmed, was going to be a huge needle mover at the box office. But for Disney+, Plus, I think, it, I think it's going to really kick major ass and like already add to the filthy amount of subscribers it has. <laughs> um, a word of advice for people who are watching that haven't seen it or haven't listened to the 
soundtrack yet. That's I know quite a few. Pe- I know quite a- oh, about wow, both of you. I know quite yeah. a few people who um ha- like j- like are going in blind, which is shocking to me. But yeah. um, watch with subtitles because the lyrics are so clever and there's like and they oh, go so God. fast and everything. Where I think watching with subtitles will really help a pr- great like make you greater appreciate just how well written it is. I I think Hamilton's one of the best things to ever be made in my lifetime. I'm very excited for more people to see it. <laughs> I didn't, I haven't seen any of it because, or listened to the sound. My wife actually, who is not a Broadway person has Hamilton songs on her, like uh, Amazon music playlist. But I wanted to go in like, cause my whole plan was I was going to try and get it for our 10th wedding anniversary in November. <laughs> That's not happening. Broadway just announced today, uh, today the day we're filming, uh, recording, filming, whatever the hell we're doing. Uh, it January 3rd, I think uh, is the soft, yeah return of broadway that's what i was holding off for to get tickets to hamilton for our 10th anniversary so that's where i never watched anything so that's that's a really hot tip so watch with subtitles i would def- I'm definitely yes, gonna do that you'll appreciate it um and then one more random pick because bill is a parent and so am i so yeah, i want to give a parent you too i i'm in so uh a, a recommendation for the little ones uh dreamworks actually just came out with a new uh netflix series called rhyme time town uh, oh, so for like, it. Oh, I I love it. Like I like it. I think I like it more than Parker does. Uh, I think it's cute as hell. I think the animation's great. Um, basically, each episode's based off a, a different nursery rhyme. As someone who's been watching Little Baby Bum nonstop um, and trying to think of different ways to kill himself, um, it's a it's a breath of fresh air. It's very 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 nice and wholesome. My five year old's review was. Dad, this is for kids who don't know anything about rhyming. I know stuff about rhyming. And I'm just yeah. like, so, wow. I think she's a little wise. too old for it. She is, she is a wise little girl. She might be too old for it. Who dropped her first tooth, I have to say. So, Aw, yeah. congrats. Congrats, little no Um Last segment of the pod, we are going to be talking about a glimmer of hope. Glimmer of hope! Oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, this week's glimmer of hope is, is probably the biggest and most surprising uh pop culture related news uh completely shadowing uh michael keaton as batman uh coming back uh beyonce uh has blessed the world with uh, a new visual album uh called black is king and strangely it is coming to disney plus and i say strangely because um it's coming to disney plus what is this (laughs) Um, but apparently it's uh, inspired by The Lion King, which uh, obviously she uh, was the voice of as Nala, right? In yep. um, the, the John Favreau uh, quote unquote live action adaptation. Was that last year? Which was. Uh, it was. Jesus, it feels like 10 years ago. It really does. <laughs> uh, I did finally watch that too, and it was probably one of the most unnecessary movies ever made. Um, but I really like uh, Donald Battlefield Earth. That's unnecessary. Um, so, but here, but, uh, so the film is based on the music of the Lion King, the gift. Is this true? Um, if you're reading it I'm, off I'm, an article, I'm reading it. Then yes. I'm reading it. Um, but <laughs> last year, uh, so basically, oh, okay. So yeah. So the reason it's coming out on Disney plus is because the film is based on the music of the Lion King, the gift released last year in conjunction with the Disney, uh, movie. And uh, it has special guest appearances, and it's produced by Childish Gambino, Kendrick Lamar, Pharrell, 070 Shake, uh, Tierra Wack, Jay-Z, Blue Ivy Carter, and Jesse Reyes, as well as African artists, um, 
I'm not going to try to butcher their names. But uh, so this is awesome. Um, as someone who is a uh, fan of music and uh, the visual medium, uh, I'm pretty pumped for this. And uh, Disney needs new content. We've talked about this. Dis- uh, you know, they took one of their biggest uh, uh, upcoming films and, and dropped it online early with Hamilton. And, you know, uh, I, I think watching Hamilton 200 times is going to get old for people and they're going to have to eventually watch something else so this is a this is nice nice thing to watch maybe uh shortly after the 200th uh viewing but uh matt you were you were you're pretty excited about this um uh she's been doing kind of surprise drops for the last few projects or even pre-lemonade yeah i mean she there was the album that their self-titled album mm. I want to say 2011. I don't remember for sure, but um, like that created the surprise album drop. And then I just remember when Lemonade came out, like the world, the moments, basically. Like <laughs> I was so because um, you know I just fully don't believe people who don't like Beyonce. It's like just say you're racist. <laughs> it'll <laughs> yeah, it'll save time. <laughs> and um, I just think she's she's one of those performers. Every medium has them. One of the performers that's just undeniable. And um, she's incredible. And I remember when Lemonade came out on H, I think HBO, um, just being like, this is one of like the big entertainment events <laughs> in my lifetime. And we even discussed it in one of my um, classes at the time at Rutgers um, because we were just like so obsessed with it. And we went around talking what our favorite songs were. And it was a really just like fun moments and everything she's done since then has been sort of a surprise. There was her album with Jay-Z. Um, it might've just been called the Carters, but that kind of was a surprise drop. And then no, it's um, no, you're I didn't want to cut you off, but it's um, everything is love. Yes. Okay. Never mind. I don't know why I thought it was called the Carters. And um, that's they name themselves. Like it's not Jay-Z and Beyonce. It's the Carters. Uh, yes okay that makes sense and then um also her movie for netflix her documentary yeah for netflix mm-hmm. was, was a surprise so i'm just you know it's uh, similar to how i felt about when the 1975s album came out um i'm just like i'll take anything from my favorite artist at this point so like i i hope she's not too um watered down because she's on disney plus i mean Lemonade is literally an album about her processing her yeah. husband's affair, and it's very crude, um, which was great. So, like, you know, but you know, she's Beyonce; she has creative control. I'm sure whatever it is is exactly what she wants to put out into the world. So, I'm very excited. I, I mean, I remember reading a tweet from um, from Lin Manuel Miranda saying that they had to uh, edit out the three uses of the F word. Uh, Mm -hmm. during Hamilton, but they did it in like creative ways uh, because, you know, it is a family platform. I don't see this, especially if it's based off the music of the Lion King. I don't see that it's going to be, uh, you know, riddled with uh, expletives, but um, I think it's going to be super creative. I think because uh, Beyonce has Disney money, it's going to just be pretty epic um, because she's been able to do stuff with her i mean she's like the richest one of the richest women in the world i think she's fine if she produced it along with all these other amazing people that i uh, mentioned um i'm just excited for more childish gambino 
if if he's a special guest because he is one of my favorite performers. Uh, but yeah, I'm super excited to see uh, to hear and see this after I watch Hamilton a million times. Uh, Bill, <laughs> what about you? So I watched the uh, the trailer for this. Don't watch this trailer out of context, drunk or on any sort of hallucinogens, because your brain will explode. Because <laughs> and I appreciate the visual audaciousness of it because it's just like and that's one thing like i wouldn't consider myself the biggest beyonce fan in the world i wouldn't but her talent is undeniable and her vision is she like it's like she doesn't need to do she could basically just be shooting just doing layups for the rest of her career (laughs) she could just and she could and she would and she would make millions and people would love her but she's super she she goes for it. She really embraces the word artist. You know what I mean? Like, and I love the fact that she's doing this as a visual album. It's really creative. And I think the fact it's on Disney plus people, it adds more intrigue because we've just talked about lemonade being on like an HBO. And I think it was involved with title as well. Remember that? Remember title? Um, <laughs> is that still going? Nope. Didn't think so. Be it Quib- is still going. <laughs> it is. Quibi will be there shortly. Um, yeah. oh, we didn't talk about the Princess Bride, <laughs> Quibi. I, I'm glad we didn't. Uh, that thing is is the worst, most cursed thing I've ever seen in my life. We don't have to talk about the Quibi Princess Bride. <laughs> it shall never be talked about again, Matt. You have decreed it so, and I, I 100% endorse that. But I think, like I was saying about how Hamilton's going to drive subscribers to uh, Disney Plus. I literally am seeing people tweeting about this, saying like, "I'm sold on Disney Plus now." Like, the Bayhive is a real thing. That is, it is a huge community of just super loyal fans to Beyonce. And if they're not subscribed to Disney Plus, they will be by the time this airs. And Disney Plus's numbers are just—it's just you're just going to be hearing cash registers the day this thing drops because that's the bank that's going to be made. And I love how just wild this looks and i'm definitely going to check it out because it's just like even if i'm not a huge fan of it like i'm still i i i believe i will appreciate just the utter the sheer creativity of it because it's just like again beyonce doesn't need to flex her creative muscles to to make hits but this thing she's she creates cultural moments lemonade was a cultural moment Mm -hmm. when you say lemonade i mean you're thinking the drink and you're thinking Beyonce, and probably most people are thinking Beyonce a lot of the times. And I'm serious because she she creates these she creates cultural moments, and we don't have too many artists now that can create. Stop what you're doing, like literally everything you're doing, and focus on this piece of art someone has created. And yeah. for that, for that, I, I Beyonce is just she's she's the one. The thing I love about her as a celebrity is that she's barely a celebrity. Like, she's an artist at this point, because when you think about it, she hasn't given an interview in 10 years, maybe, at this point. Um, She she doesn't caption her Instagram posts. She just posts, like, a picture of her in an outfit, and that's it. She Like, any information about her that, like, you know is because she wants you to know it, and then nothing else is out there. She's in total control over her her standing in culture basically and then just every couple of years she's like here's this beautiful art i made um let's enjoy it it's it's little it's a little bowie-esque i was gonna say it reminds me a little bit of michael jackson too 
Because remember when he would? No, 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 no. In the just like remember when he would debut a music video, it would be like everything's okay. Again, you guys weren't born. When he would drop a music video, he dropped that one, and I can't remember the uh, uh, what was the one. It was like Eddie Murphy's in it, and Magic Johnson's in it. Do you remember? I want to say I don't know. It's not black or white, right? No, no, no. This is a little bit later. But, I mean, they literally stopped everything to talk. Like, that was what... The, the fact this music video was coming out stopped the presses. Everyone was talking about it. It was major news. It was like... Mm-hmm. Like, that premiere was... That was it. And the, But this is obviously extrapolated even bigger because it's going to be a full record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think there's an artist, like, today that could do this like she is at the top of her game and has been for years and i don't like we just were talking about how great the new lady gaga album is if she surprised released that with a visual album blah 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 it's not the same like beyonce's (laughs) beyonce's at a different just she's not even like the best female artist she is just one of the best she's human beings she is her own realm of person you know it's like the president and then there's beyonce like it's kind of like every right now it's no 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 not 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 ranking it's like like how people used to reference oprah when she Mm. was at the height of her power like beyonce is like that it's like oh there's the president of the united states and there's beyonce and like that's like it's its own level of human being um i don't think there's anyone that's um remotely has that kind of uh, power with anything. Exactly. It was it's remem- crazy. Yeah, the video I'm talking about was Remember the Time. It was in 1992. Again, Got maybe it. one of I was, was born. I was, I was one years old. <sighs> I wasn't born yet. Yeah. <laughs> Damn oh, man, I feel so old. Matt wasn't born yet. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, we, uh, we can uh, see this at some time in the future. Uh, July 31st, July 31st, yeah. July 31st, great. So um, it gives you about a full. It gives you a full month to watch Hamilton a million times. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's enough time, but you know, I, I'll try. <laughs> I'll try to do it. I'm gonna hold you to it. Uh, but yeah, so um, that's really fun, guys. This was great. I really needed this. This was a. It's a great combo about uh, actual fun things that happened this week. And uh, but uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can people find you on the social medias talking about Succession? Yeah, um, literally go, go on Twitter. My um, Matt Matt Matthew one. I talked about Succession a lot. It's in my bio. Um, and then if you want to see what other films I'm watching, in addition to the one hundred seventy four I've already watched this quarantine, Damn, follow so. me on yeah, follow me on Letterboxd, um, Matt T. Um, so are you chronicling on Letterboxd the 174 movies that you've watched are they all brand new to you or are they rewatches some are rewatches um but in general it's it's probably primarily new stuff i've been um watching i've been trying to work through spike lee's filmography i've been trying to um did you watch the five words i did i think it's great you can you can see my review on letterboxd (laughs) um and um watching a lot of queer films for pride month and um also just you know my friends and i when we're drinking on friday nights um like to watch a lot of nostalgia movies on netflix so there's a lot of you know like 
What a Girl Wants with Amanda Bynes and a Cinderella Story with Hilary Duff that you can find. Excellent, um, Excellent movie. Yeah, find I out love, which love Cinderella find, Story. Find out which um, celebrities in the early two thousands helped make me gay. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, any um, we've done this with a, a few people who've been guests in the past, and I hate to put you on the spot and didn't tell you before, but um, any any kind of charities or causes that you would like to shout out or promote at the end of the podcast? Oh shit! Um, I'm sorry. I yes. should have said that earlier. I, my apologies. No, no. There. I mean, there are so many at this point. I've I have. Um, if you go on my Twitter, Matt not Matthew one, the um pin tweet is a um link to Black Lives Matters um card of different charities to yeah. donate to. But the one I definitely want to mention is the Okra Project, which I donated to this month for Pride. Um, it, or in honor of Pride, I guess. Um, they um are a culinary based charity that helps provide um food and beverages for um, black trans women um who as many people know unfortunately despite being like the people that started the pride movement um black trans women are homeless at a disproportionate rate um murdered murdered at a disproportionate rate so anything to help protect black trans women is really crucial to do so um the okra project is just a really great way to make sure that homeless black trans women get fed so um definitely seek them out they're a great charity yeah i I just got paid so i'm going to be because you mentioned that a few times in your twitter i'm going to be donating to that uh tomorrow actually yeah, they're great. I think it's about I think ninety dollars can feed two people. Um, they put on their website, so it's really, really worth um, when any money. It's great. Uh, Bill, where can people find you on the social medias? Um, so yeah, I'm at Bodkin Writes W R I T E S. Um, yeah, I guess like when I'm not tweeting about how much uh, I don't appreciate my uh, company's side hustles of exploiting the pandemic, which Al's like, are you just trying to get fired? And I'm just like, sure. Um, and when I'm not blowing up Twitter because I retweeted a uh, article about people not social distancing at the bars of the Jersey Shore, which is no surprise to me because I covered them for a decade. I don't know how people act. Um, I'm just like tweeting about wrestling and some, you know, some you know charities people can donate to but most importantly um check out the popbreak.com every single day um we are at popbreak.com all spelt out on twitter um i really want to give a huge shout out to alicia weinberger our social media manager who did a great job i think uh if you see a lot of our tweets um that are pinned about uh, lists of black queer and trans organizations to support this month um, she really spearheaded that and we're going to be doing that every single month. We're going to be coming up with different organizations for different causes that people can really donate to, um, like Black Lives Matter. Um, for me as a wrestling fan, there was a big, um, speak out movement and a lot of people were exposed for a lot of, uh, physical, verbal, mental, and sexual abuse. So, you know, rain is a big charity, uh, to help victims mm. of sexual abuse. So, Please donate to that. It's R-A-I-N-N dot org. Uh, it's a really good charity to support. Um, and then again, uh, check us out forward slash popbreak.com. I'll spell it on Facebook and at the popbreak on Instagram. We're going to be starting up our series once again of featuring uh, various photographers and the cool concerts they shot in the month of July. And of course, uh, check us out on this podcast. Uh, we are on Spotify. We're on, thanks to Al. 
and our TV podcasts are going to be debuting in the month of July on under a stream on Spotify and Anchor and Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Uh, yeah, I am uh, Al Manarino on Instagram, uh, mostly taking pictures of my uh, adorable child and his faithful companion, my adorable Corgi. Um, and then uh, I'm also Al Manarino on Twitter. Uh, where I am uh, just spewing nonsense into the world that is not needed in any way. Also known as Twitter. Uh, but yeah, thanks guys so much. Uh, and thank you guys for listening to Socially Distance. We'll see you next week. Happy 4th of Take July. Care. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July.